So a quick announcement about what the next... I can tell you right now what the next 10 episodes of Patreon will be. Yes. If you are going to sign up for our Patreon, every level gets a bonus episode. Yes, that is correct. And the bonus episodes are going to be... All hairspray. (laughs) No. (laughs) No, they're going to be our top five movies each. Yep. So... Two Drink Cinemas top, top 10, 10 movies. movies. So we've realised this many episodes in that we haven't reviewed any of our favourites yet. So we're going to review them for bonus episodes on the Patreon. Yeah. And the first one's going to be... Hairspray. So, listeners, jump onto our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash two drink cinema, if you want to get our bonus episodes and hear our reviews of our favourites. Yes. Two drinks in a mile. Jeez. Welcome to another episode of Two Drink Cinema. We are fresh out of an actual cinema again. Ooh. We're going hard now that we can go to the cinemas. Yep. Welcome, Brett. Hello, Droog. No, I couldn't think of anything clever to say. <laughs> Hello, my brother. Hello, my brother, Droog. We have just watched A Clockwork Orange in the cinema, which is great for all concerned, except it was the most restless audience I have ever seen a movie with. Yeah, Apple Polylogies, everyone. Jeez. There was a lot of people... Not only, like, there was a lot of people getting up and going out of the cinema and coming back in. Mm. Not as many as when actually. As No Time to Die. When we went to No Time to Die, there were a few people that got up, but there was one guy. I reckon. That guy over there. Yeah. I reckon. (laughs) That guy over there. You can see where I'm pointing, everybody listening. I reckon they just came to the cinema because they couldn't get into the pub. Oh, the the clink and the thing. And he went out, he went out halfway through the. Movie to get another little bottle of wine. I think he went out twice. So they had three wines during a two and a half hour movie. But then what they also did is they, then she, the, the, there were a man and woman sitting there. The man got up, got a refill. The woman got up, went to the bathroom or got another refill, whatever. And while, while she was gone, he moved seats. So like he moved down a seat. And then she came back and was like, you're in my seat. <laughs> oh. But there, a lot of that happened at the Astor Theatre, which is yes. the classic theatre in Melbourne. The only big screen, uh, well, not big screen, the only big theatre, single screen theatre yes. left in Melbourne. Yeah. Uh, which is where we saw the 50th anniversary presentation of A Clockwork Orange. Directed by Stanley Kubrick. We have done our preview, so we don't need to give you the background on it. It um, wasn't as busy as I thought it was going to be. It was pretty... I feel like that was a pretty comfortable level of people for the still coming out of COVID times. Yes. It is actually less... I don't know, actually. I was going to say it's less violent than I expected. But there were times where 
I was uncomfortable with the violence. Like you see movies, you see movies now that are very violent, but this was what was discomforting was that they were just doing ultra violence. There was no reason behind it. Yeah. Whereas, like, it is a bit. Um, it's also the way it was shot. Like, if you think sometimes with a lot of violent things now, it's just like, here's a shot, bang, 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 blood, blood, blood. Yeah. But when they're having a fight or whatever, especially when it's like one-on-one with the Catwoman. Yeah. It's like the camera's like all over the place frantic. Yes. So it seems a lot more frantic and violent. It is, as we've said, 50 years old, as I got it right. But yes. it it's hard to know if the bits that a lot of people laughed at were meant to be funny in the original time. Yeah, some of the acting of the like the little cameo bit players, if that's what you're going to call them. Yes, the supporting cast. Quite over the top. One point I thought we were watching another Monty Python movie. Yeah, the main prison guard could have been played by John Cleese. Yes. And I'm not sure if that's intentional on the part of Kubrick or whether it's just aged that way. Yeah, or is is he meant to look stupid? Like, is this like he's not meant to be taken seriously? I think, I think that's the case with if that could be intentional because the other authority figure, the guy from his school that visited visits him at home, mm, and yeah. obviously doesn't have a working with children check because he sits there on the bed with Alex and his jocks, yeah, and then grabs his yarbles. Yeah, he drinks the false teeth water. What the hell was that? So I feel like it's a bit of making authority look stupid. If it's meant to um, be from, if it's narrated by Alex, he doesn't clear. He clearly doesn't take authority figures seriously. Actually, that's probably more it. Yeah. So he sees this We're- weird old man come up and go. Oh, yes. <laughs> We're seeing everything from Alex's point of view, and you're right, that's how Alex would see those figures. He would see that kind of regimented, militaristic style of the prison guard as being that extreme. Yes. There, there's a lot to process, and we haven't given ourselves any time to write any notes. There was a lot, it's weird, it was like, there's a lot going on, but there's not that much to talk about. It's clearly the whole point of the movie is to show society's idea of reforming people. So the, yeah, the big comment is on that kind of psychiatry and the kind of techniques that were used in that reconditioning yeah and but but i don't think 
the comment, the other comments about uh, the other social and political comments about youth, vi- youth violence, gangs, they weren't super strong. And then no. the comment about the psychological reconditioning was just very blatant. Yeah. I think it was it was like at the start it's just like they beat up an old man. Yeah. Um and he's like, "Oh, the society's gone down the toilet." Not yep. what he said, but paraphrasing. There's no law and order anymore. Blah blah. blah. I'm like, "Okay, that's all we're going to talk about that." There wasn't really any discussion as to why. Yeah. Except that later on you maybe thought it was the government's fault. Well, yeah, I feel like it's a long, it would be much longer, oh no, it's not a very long novel. The novel's only 192 pages. Is that is that not long? That's how, what are we talking, like a 10 font or a um, 12, or, I don't know, what's a book? So a, a long novel is 300. Okay. But... It's on the lower side of novels in terms of word count. Yeah, so 50,000 is generally considered a pass mark for word count for a novel, and A Clockwork Orange is 60,000 words. Oh, okay. So it's not a long novel. So what? Because what I was going to say is those issues are possibly explored more deeply in the book and more time is given to the fact that there's no law and order. Okay. And I feel like if this movie was made now, that would be given more depth. Yes, it would. But it was made by Kubrick in 1971. Mm-hmm. So he was probably quite high. Yeah. And, and there's he, the a, message he wanted to get across was more based on the reconditioning. Yes. Aspect of it. He's he and has. Can anybody be? Can anybody change? Can anybody re- be reconditioned? He's just the same as he is in the end with a bunch of Victorian dressed people while he's doing a bit of the old in out in out. He, I think I don't he's really understand. Well, but he said I understand in out in out. Yeah, yeah. Good. <laughs> so obviously, while he was in the coma, he's had the people working in his Gulliver. Yeah. And brain. that's undone the reconditioning. Yeah, because then when the psychiatrist comes and does the cards, yeah, it's it's those kind of responses. Kind you can responses. shove it up your ass, kind and of. And then thing. the way he talks as well, he goes back to talking in whatever droogy. I don't even know what the language they call it. Nasdat. The yeah. Nasdaq. Nad Nadsat slang word. Nas Nad N A D S A T. Okay. It's, it's made fucking made up, whatever. Uh, you're looking up all the words? Yeah, there's like an appendix of meanings. Yeah. So I'm on a website called Russia Beyond. Which it's has a, Nad Nadsat is a borrowed from Russian. Oh, and the word was coined by English author Anthony Burgess. Yeah, in his so nineteen sixty Soviet novel, A Clockwork Orange. He created 
this bit of dialect by doing some rhyming slang with some Russian words. So droog comes from the Russian word, droog meaning friend. Moloko is Russian for milk. Yeah. Horror show. Milk. Horror show is a Russian word. Horror show is how it's Mm. kind of spelt there, meaning good. So even though that's like anglicized sounding, the same as Gulliver comes from Gulliver. Yeah. Which is Russian for head. And clockwork means mechanical response. Oh, okay. Orange means. Man? Chelovec. Man or person. Meaning man or person. Mm. Yeah. So, mechanical response person. Which is what he's programmed to do. There you go. I did not know that until now. There you go. We're learning every minute of every day. In my Umni and my Gulliver. Jeez. Thanks for listening to Two Drink Cinema. If you'd like to support us further, head over to patreon.com slash two drink cinema. As a patron, you gain access to exclusive bonus episodes and can contribute to the making of Two Drink Cinema. The support of our patrons can help us go from a D-grade flop to a box office blockbuster. Patreon.com forward slash two drink cinema. Cheese. A milk, milk bar. Don't really understand... Why they just go to a bar that you just drink milk? Well, it's milk plus. It's had got additives. I feel like it's drugged oh. up milk. Oh, okay. It's not just milk. There's three options of milk plus. Well, does it depend on like which breast you pump it from? That's not a joke. That actually is how you serve yeah. yourself milk in the movie. Well, I, yeah, I think different sculptures of women with breasts that dispense milk sell different Milk Plus varietals. Yeah. Too bad if you're lactose intolerant. I hope there's an almond milk or a soy milk option. There's a soy milk plus. Lactose free. They would be. If there was a if it was a milk bar in Melbourne, there definitely would be. If it's in the future, it probably means now. <laughs> then yes. Yeah. I'm not really sure when it's set. Well it's it's the not too distant future. Because even though the look of it is very seventies, yeah, I feel like it's like mod. It's kind of stylized a little bit, futurized seventies. Mm. The look of it is very interesting. Kubrick's whole thing is very visual. Yes, this, from what I've seen of Kubrick's film, is probably his least visual. Film really? No, in terms of like visually impressive. Really, he set up the visual aesthetic of the whole thing, but there's not like oh my god, this thing fills the whole screen and looks amazing. Okay, like two thousand one, right? Or like the the shots of the overlook, the big shots of the overlook hotel. And the disconcerting shots within the hotel when shit's going wrong in The Shining. So, yeah, I don't think... He's got the aesthetic right. Yes. As everything's a little bit off, so you know it's not right now. 
like the mum has different coloured hair all the time. Yeah. And the doctor that comes in at the end has purple hair. And the wallpaper's really weird. Yeah. So it has a very late 60s, early 70s look, but it doesn't look real. So it's very clearly not now. So he's got the aesthetic yeah. right, and the aesthetic throughout works really well, mm. but not visually captivating. Okay. Yeah. I understand what you mean. Yeah. Very simple titles and credits, though. Oh, yeah. It's just white writing and black writing on a yeah. orange On a colored thing. slide. Yeah. Yeah. So we talked in the preview about it not being a very high-budget film. I feel like that's where he saved the money. Also, no one in the film is anyone. Yes, and also... Um, Except, I forgot, for uh, Darth Vader. Yeah, Darth Vader's in it. Not He is Alex's father. You know he's not. He is the heavy strongman. The strongman that helps the now crippled guy that they dashed up around the house, yes. Yes. That's David Prowse, who is Darth Vader in the suit. In the he's the body of Darth Vader. Yeah. Obviously not the voice. Not the voice of Darth Vader. Because at one point he said something he's like offered him wine or something. He goes, No thank you. My, mm, yeah. No, that's not scary. If you can find it on YouTube, look up the couple of clips that have been released without definitely without George Lucas's permission yeah. <laughs> of David Prowse voicing Darth Vader mm. um, and you'll understand why he's not and why um, James L. Jones is. Obviously, Malcolm McDowell is very good. Yes. And, you know, I said... He, no one is in it, but he has done a lot since. Yeah. If you said to me, Malcolm McDowell, I'd be like, oh, I couldn't tell you anything that he's done. But in looking at his picture of him more recently, then I'm like, you oh, see. I've seen that guy in heaps of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And you have. He was in Entourage. He was in Heroes. Um, I've seen him in... I've seen him in... Yeah. I don't know why I said it like that. Uh, and a few other things that I've seen him in bits and pieces of as well. He's in Easy A, which I've seen. Easy he, A? Hmm. Yeah. He plays Dr. Samuel Loomis in the 2007 remake Halloween. Oh, and full circle. Halloween 2. There you go. So there you go. We've got all of the Halloween references because we talked in our Bond episode about Donald Pleasance. Yes. Okay. Uh, he's also, also a voice in Castlevania. Oh, I, he's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah. And probably, in you know, some Shakespearean stuff as well along the way. I feel like I've seen him in a Shakespeare. Well, he has been... He did train at the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art. Yes. Okay. He's very good. And not only... And it, it, I guess it, it would have been very challenging to just do facial expressions... With for no words, because there's quite a few scenes where he just looks at the camera or he's just sitting there and the narration is happening. Yeah, and he's facially acting what the narration is telling us. Yeah, it's um, 
interesting how they would have shot it. If he would have said it, like, done the narration. Said it all. And then listened to it while they were filming it. Or whether it would have been like, this is the scene. Quickly read the script before you talk over it. One of the... um, Yeah, I just thought... I just had in my head that it was more intense than it was. I think the most intense moment... Or most uncomfortable moment is when he's getting the clamps put on his eyes. Because I know some people are quite squeamish. Have a thing about eyes. About things touching eyes. Yeah. So don't don't watch it. I thought that was a lot bigger within the movie, though. Yeah, it didn't happen. It's the iconic thing. Yes. Yeah. I found the most uncomfortable thing was when they broke into the writer's house. I remember because that. Because that was yeah. that thing of just violence for violence's sake. Yep. Which is obviously much harder to watch than, you know, Captain America just beating people up. Yeah. Um, it was interesting to me that in one scene they go and find another group of Another gang, if you will. Yep. Attempting a bit of the old in out, in out on a woman. Yeah, that's and then they like fight them to stop them. No, they just wanted to fight them. But and then later on they just rape another woman. Like yeah, it was like a bit like at what that point's like, did you fight them because they were gonna rape them? No, they just then, fought no. them to fought them. Just fought them to fight them. Because they're a rival gang. Oh, so okay. they just yeah, want to yeah, fight. Yeah, them. yeah, yeah. But it was just a bit like a bit weird. I it did kind of present that they were trying to stop the rape, but yeah. then they didn't. Yeah, but then twenty minutes later, they're zooming up the highway, playing a bit, playing a game with the other motorists. Yes, um, a bit of hog the hog the road, hog the road. Um, that that house is weird. The house it's, of the it's rider. It's a very modern house. It's a very house. modern house. And the fact that it's just got this sign out the front that says home. And it's the end of the road. And then, yeah, and it's the end of the road. It was a bit weird. But then it's been two years and two weeks, right? Roughly. Something like that, yeah. Between visits for Alex. Yeah. So he's been in a wheelchair for two weeks. Yeah, still hasn't got ramps. Well... One of, my good friends, instead. one of my good friends does that for a job, is goes to people who have now developed disabilities yeah. and helps them fit out their house. Right. And I was looking at that with her lens and she'd be like, surely it's cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> but there are a lot of stairs and he's in just, that house. And he's just a writer. That sounds weird. He's a you know subversive I mean. writer too. Mm, that came up later. Mm. He was weird. Some of the acting in that bit was a bit weird. Yeah. I did like it kind of had a link between him hearing singing in the rain triggered him. Yes. like Similarly to the conditioning of Alex. Yeah. So obviously one was a trauma response and one like an actual trauma response and the other one was a falsely conditioned yeah. Trauma response from the Ludovico technique. But Alex acts the response better than the man in the wheelchair. <laughs> yes. Um, he 
if he just didn't sing singing in the rain in the bath, it'd be fine. Yes. But they had the plan to yes. make him try and throw himself out the window anyway. Yeah. So I think that just kind of moved him along in his plan of trying to do it. But he didn't hide it very well in what, the, the face that he was had kind of worked out who Alex yeah. was. Because <laughs> Alex worked it out and he's not the brightest. No. The big thing is about psychology and behavioural psychology. So Burgess, who wrote the book, wasn't a fan of behavioural psychology or behaviourism. Yes. And so that's where a lot of this comes from. Yep. So it's very clear... Obvious, like not obviously, but I haven't read the book. No, maybe I should. I. You won't. Maybe I should. I won't. It's a movie, and I I want to kind of see if that other stuff comes up as strongly in the book and as forefront as it does in the movie, because that's the main comment of the whole movie is about the psychology stuff. Yeah. Even though it only takes up the second half of the film. Yeah, it drags on a bit. Feels like it spends the half setting up Alex as a delinquent. Yep. And then Oh, but look how bad behavioral psychology is. Yeah, he wants to be cured now. He's good but faking it so he can get out. Then look how bad they treat him to try yeah. and fix him. It's But then he's cured but he's not, but he is but he isn't. And and then also the Priest just throws away one line about choice. Yeah. It, it's interesting, like, as a psychological experiment to decide to go to the side of negative reinforcement instead of positive reinforcement. Yeah. Like, you could give someone drugs to feel good and play them proper in-out instead of non-consensual in-out. Mm. And then... Instead of feeling bad for doing bad, you'd feel good for doing good. Yes. You'd get that reward for doing yeah, good. Just rather than wanting to vomit every time there was some yeah. violence. Obviously, we only see Alex early on in the after the release. But I feel like the longer it goes on, the more his brain becomes used to associating that and doesn't go to raise the fist. Like he raises his fist to Joe and then feels sick. Yes. Eventually down the line, he'd stop himself before that and his body would be used to that. Mm. But we're not analysing psychological treatments. It is. It's, yeah. In this, we're reviewing no. the movie. No. This is not a psychology podcast. We mentioned in the... Yeah, if you want to talk about psychology, go to No Pants, No Problems. We talk probably just as badly about it, but it's a little bit more what the point of the podcast <laughs> it's a bit is. more about that. It's not the psychology of A Clockwork Orange. <laughs> no, no. We will talk about uh, being fucked in the head. Not as fucked in the head as Alex. No. But we do talk about stuff. Let's have a chat. An open, honest chat. Join best mates Lee and Jeff 
as they strip back everything, literally and figuratively, to have an open conversation about life. No pants, no problems. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite platform so you don't miss an episode. Join the conversation by following us on Facebook and Twitter at NoPantsPod. We mentioned it as we pulled into the theatre car park, and now we've seen the movie. Mick Jagger. Couldn't do it. No. I feel that it would be a different movie. I don't know how much... Um. He just, I don't know. I can't see it. It'd just be like, I can't, I'm not going to even attempt a Mick Jagger impersonation. (laughs) But you know what I mean? It's like, it wouldn't fit with his image. As bad as that sounds. Well, it did have a different director when the Stones were being considered as the cast. Yeah. But I don't think Mick Jagger as this young confident delinquent i think it would have been a very different vibe yeah it would have been much cooler than alex's yes which is strange oh speaking of cool do you think a lot of that audience particularly the youth Mm, yeah were going to see the movie because liking and going to see a movie like this makes them cool yes it's like a status symbol of a movie it's like, oh, what did you do on the weekend? Oh, I went to the outdoor theatre Saturday night and watched A Clockwork Orange. Have you seen it? You haven't seen it? Oh, my God, it is so good. There were people I actually the... don't understand anything about it or what reference it has yeah. and what impact it has on cinema history. But, oh, it was so good. But how can and you go- not have seen this cult classic? Oh, and, and they talk about it. They talk so weird. We should talk like that now. <laughs> the talking weird was good. I mentioned yeah, in the it does preview add to the um the weirdness of the movie. Yeah, but it also adds to the youthful and the youth delinquent thing that the adults won't understand because they don't understand the language. Yes. But I don't think I don't think not understanding the language takes away from the movie. No. I don't think it needs subtitles as you joked. Yes. But because you can just put things in context. The way you said, oh, up, I've got pain up up in my gulliver. Yeah, I've got pain up in my gulliver. I have to sleep it off, ma'am, or yeah. whatever, you know. And like and you then... kind of work out what that means. And you work out what he's saying about seeing a picture. And you can work it bits and pieces out. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's contextual. But it's also not essential to the overall understanding of the film to know whether he's got a pain in his head or his guts or his yarbles. I thought and that's maybe why he's taking a day off school. I thought maybe his gulliver was his stomach, and then I'm like, well, you did drink a lot of milk yesterday, so he that could, might be why. It could be lactose intolerant. It could be lactose intolerant. He doesn't even know. The there was some bits where it's like there's violent scenes, but then it's funny because it's yeah. a bit over the top, like. The scene with the cat woman who has like 50 cats. Yep. Um, oh, of course, cat woman. I thought it was cat woman because she's really flexible. You're an like idiot. Like Michelle Pfeiffer. You're an idiot. Because the newspaper said she's cat Michelle woman Pfeiffer. murderer. She's Michelle Pfeiffer? Yeah. 
She's got lots of cats. Of course she does. Yeah. Idiot. Um, but just the fact that while they're talking and he's about to bash her up or whatever, there's this giant like ceramic penis rocking back and just forth. rocking back and forward. I'm like, that's funny. Yes, yeah, <laughs> it is. It's very strange. I, I have, and I think some of that is meant to be ridiculous, and I think it's in a fifty years later lens that we see that ridiculous as funny. Especially in, like, the the fight they have with the other gang yeah, is very, like, Over the almost top. slapstick People comedy. People flying through the air. and Yeah, bashing each other with chairs and tables che- yep. and running and jumping in the window and that kind of stuff. It is almost slapsticky. I think that is meant to be extreme, but we've seen a lot more extreme since. Yeah, like I watched, I just watched like Game of Thrones yesterday. Yeah. I'm like, well, that's pretty violent. So, and I think desensitized. Over the top, probably not the budget and the time to do heavily choreographed fights or have a lot of stunt people. Yeah. So they just had to make or it over multiple, the top. Or like... Multiple, multiple, shoots. multiple, multiple, multiple takes that mm. you would need to mm. do for those kind of scenes. There was, I don't know if Stanley Kubrick's thing was just like, and fight. Yeah. Done. Here's some chairs. Here's some tables. Go. We're going to have three cameras around. Go. There'll be a camera here, a camera there, a camera there. Fight. Next time, camera here, camera here, camera there. We've only got one take to do that breaking that big table, so don't fuck it up. Yeah. And if it wasn't, then... We just got to do what we do. Yeah. And go with it. Yes. Speaking of going and reshooting stuff, this is the first time I've ever read on a Wikipedia page about a movie, something like this, right? Okay. On 24th February 1971, the last day of shooting, Progress Report number 113 has a summary of all the footage shot to date. 39,880 feet wasted. 377,090 feet exposed. 13,000 feet remain as short ends with a total of 452,960 feet used. Right. So over 450,000 feet of tape was used. Wow. I don't know what that means for anything, but there you go. Interesting. Hmm. It's but a it's lot just, of movie. Yeah. I think because then a, a lot of it was like, especially some, it was like a lot of editing and a lot of little bits of shot, 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 to go with the music. You know what I mean? Yeah. And weird. Like, he's a weird kid. I also don't really know what how old he is, but I'm guessing like 16. Well, I think he's meant to be like a youth delinquent, so 16, 17, but he's clearly not. And also his mate, Dim, is not getting into the police force. Because he's so dim. He's so dim. Yeah, Yeah, I don't want to say dim, but you know what I mean. Psychological testing aside that would probably show how prone to violence they are. But then that prone to violence thing was the, the subversive writer... Yeah. said that the government were hiring police that were more prone to just bashing up criminals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And dunking them in horse troughs like 
they did to Alex. Yes. So it makes sense that Dim and Georgie Boy were hired as a police person. Yeah, so their thing was just like fighting violence with violence. Yes. You know how they filmed the attempted suicide of Alex? Um, They threw him out a window. They dropped a camera in a box from a third-story window. Oh, gosh. Yeah. That would work. The camera survived six takes. Oh, yeah. Wow. So They don't six, make them like that these days. Six times they threw a camera out a third-story window, lens first, oh. and it survived. Um, there was one bit that was weird. There was a, like, that's, okay. There was a lot of stuff that was weird. But there was one really yeah, someone odd Someone else bit. has just watched it and goes, Brett only found one bit <laughs> yeah. weird. Um, it mm. was the beginning, the middle, and the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know when he's bashing up the cat woman? Yep. And then hits her in the head with a giant penis. Yeah. And then as he like hits, there's just like this like flash of an art. Flash of like, uh, yeah, like I don't. It was like Batman. Kaboom! Pow! Zap! It was weird. Uh, but it, and it I showed like an it. open screaming mouth. Yeah, I didn't like it. Yeah, it didn't, and it didn't kind of fit with other th- ways they've done things. Yes. Like, we see him hit a lot of people, but we don't see him hit her in the mouth with a giant penis. Yeah. I don't... Maybe because it is so... How it was done is so violent, he killed her. Maybe that was one difference to get it from the X to the R rating. Yeah, maybe that was just too violent for the senses. I don't know, but it doesn't... Everything else was fine. I didn't find the violence... Super violent. The issue came from the intent. Yes. Like the intent was just violence for their own entertainment. Yeah. Rather than like, you can watch John Wick. Yeah, like, yeah. super more violent. But yeah. it's just Keanu Reeves getting revenge for his dog. It's different. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's exactly. Different. Very different. It, yeah, and then it's weird because then... So the movie, you're like, this guy's bad, but he's the main protagonist, I guess. Antagonist. Yeah. Even though he's the main character. Yeah. And so you're like, you don't like him, but then you kind of feel sorry for him when he's getting all that treatment done. Especially when they get him uh, Ludwig, Ludwig Van. Ludwig Van. Poor Ludwig Van. It's a sin. The ninth as well. Yeah, just the ninth. The ninth. Um. Yeah, so you kind of feel sorry for him a bit there. And then he's cured. But he's not. It was funny. That's one thing that was I definitely think Kubrick meant as funny is the actors coming to showcase Alex's cureness. Oh, yes, definitely. And as soon as that guy walked out and he yeah. says... Hello, you there, or whatever he says. You're yeah. like, oh, this guy's an actor. And then he slaps him, and then they finish the thing, and then the, and the, then he finishes the thing, and the clap, and he, oh, yeah. And, then he, and bows, he bows four times. And, he bows, and, and then, then he points to Alex, yeah. like, thank you. <laughs> thank, thank my co star. Like, no, that guy's the victim here. And then the woman with the yarbos comes out, yeah. and she does two bows, and then walks to the back of stage, does another big bow, <laughs> and then walks off. And all she did was. Walk. Walk sexily across stage. Yeah. 
It's that was definitely meant to be funny. And the the prison guard was meant to be funny. Whether we were meant to find him not not take him seriously, it was definitely meant to be not serious. Maybe that's uh, yeah. A way I of think that it. was like some other things. It was meant to be ridiculous, and we find it funnier now than you might have found it at the time. Yeah. This Especially is when the woman comes out naked and you see yeah. his face and he's just like, oh, he's like, oh my God. Oh, oh, oh. And then at the end when they're all clapping, he's very enthusiastic. He's very clapping. clapping. Yeah. Very clapping. He's ready for a bit of in out himself. Mm. Yes. Mm. The, Even the priest. Yeah. Ooh. Don't know about that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, the priest might have been a little bit the other side. Yes, I believe so. We might have gotten that hint when he was taking Alex into the book stacks. Yes. Mm. Um, the ending is interesting. Well, we mentioned in the preview that the ending of the book in the UK release has Alex just go, yeah, I'm not going to be violent anymore. Mm-mm. And then he just goes on from there. So it would be interesting... So the ending of the movie, yeah, is he is in his hospital bed and he's hearing the Beethoven, and then we get a throwback to earlier when he's listening to the Beethoven and has the visions of ultraviolence and in out, yeah, and he has one of those visions at the end of the movie, yes, which is a very simple and not overdone way of showing us that. He's just back to normal. He's just back to normal, but he has more control over it. Or now he almost has a reason to not. You know what am I? I think to he's say? just back to normal. Yeah, but then it's like you know when the minister's like, "Oh, I'm we, you, we're going to work together," and yeah, stuff like that. I think he's just going to be like, "Fuck it." Fuck it, I'll just do a bit of the in-out, well, in-out. He could go back to his normal life because you saw how much money and watches and jewels he had from his other life. I it's think just a, it's a, Is he cured or not? Like, he's gone through all these things. Like, yeah, it's cured. He's gone through this shit, but at least he's okay now. But he's not because he can't listen to Ludwig Van. No, well, he's cured from that. Yes. That they undid the Ludovico technique. We're playing with his Gulliver while he was yeah. in a a big black, a long black, a long black gap. Yeah, they think, but then they think by giving him a good job and a good monies, they will make him more prone to have a normal life. But he's like, nah, I'm just fine. He's allowed to be himself now and do what he wants, and the government are paying him. No, he's going to get a... That, well, yeah. They're trying to yeah, get him yeah. a good job and he, and make that the impetus for him being a normal member of society. But he still wants the ultra-violent, delinquent life. Yes. Does yeah, that yeah, make yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he's not cured. The Ludovico technique cured him of being violent, but it made him depressed and suicidal because he couldn't be his normal self. Yes. And then they un-Ludovicoed him, which yep. has now made him ultra-violent Un-Ludovicoed, again. yes. Yep. 
which has now made him ultra-violent again. So he's just going to go on not what the government wants, but what he wants to do. Right. Make sense? Yes. So it's a very simple... It would have been interesting to see if in the book it goes from that hospital bed to him going, yes, I agree with you, Minister, I'm going to take that job, if that's the ending. Yeah. Whereas the ending of the book with that final bit in it is follows him and he goes, oh, I don't want to be violent anymore, I'm done. Yeah, and he follows the minister and chooses yeah. to just go the normal life. Yes. It would have been interesting if it's that or if it's, no, I'm going to go and be ultra-violent a while and then get bored of it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would, I don't know, obviously I haven't read the book, as I said, and we don't know. We're not know. talking about that book, we're talking about the movie. Yeah, but it, like when we're talking about movies that were books, we should talk about that adaptation of it, even though I haven't read the book. Good. It would be interesting to see which way it would have gone. Yeah. So you'd have to get the UK version, not the US version. Yes. Although I suspect that they're both the same now. Yeah, I feel like by now, considering it's been publicly stated that the ending to the book in some editions is different to the ending of the movie and the other versions of the book, that you'd be able to get it. Yes. How many milk pluses out of five? I don't know. This is hard. Ugh. It did drag a bit. It did drag. It felt long. Like we were saying in our No Time to Die review, it was a long movie, but it didn't feel long. Yeah. This felt long. It was two and a half. Two twenty, two and a half, I think. Yeah, I'm yeah. Two yeah, about two twenty. It felt longer. Um I'm gonna give it a three. Two hours sixteen. Three three yeah. milk pluses out of five. Yep, three. Okay. I'm going to it's hard. Yeah. Just as a movie to watch, I don't think I'd watch it many more times. No. It was well done. Um, oh, I was going to say it's quite early in his career. Who, Malcolm McDowell? No, Stanley Kubrick. No. Oh, in terms of feature films, before this, he had... 2001, Doctor Strange, Love, Lolita, Spartacus. Lolita, that's the other one. Paths of Glory, The Killing, Killer's Kiss. Right. And Fear and Desire as his first story movie. Yeah. But he also had three documentary shorts. Right. So, yeah, he's not... On... Um, Rotten Tomatoes, it has an 86%, and on Metacritic, it has 77 Right. So Metacritic's considerably lower than Rotten Tomatoes. Mm. What did you give a three? Three. I don't know. I'm going to go a two and a half. Ooh. Yeah. I just don't think it's a movie that I'm going to go back and watch. It's not... It's hard because it's a good movie... 
but I wouldn't say it's enjoyable. It's a well, yes, it's a well-made movie. Yeah. But it's not a movie that I particularly enjoyed watching and would watch again. I don't know how often I would recommend it to someone. I would say that it's a movie that people who want to be into cinema should see. Yeah. It is one of the greatest, quote, greatest movies of all time, end quote. According to who? The AFI. See, greatest is the is a subjective thing. Yeah. Obviously. But like I think it has cultural impact. Yes. And I think Kubrick's catalogue and filmography as a whole has huge impact, which makes yeah. this as a part of that a movie that's worth watching if you want to be into cinema. Yeah, it's in the canon of popular culture. It was only put in the Library of Congress in 2020. Oh. Yeah, interesting. Mm. Like, is that the first thing Biden did or like what? Like, Yeah. He got like, it. Oh, good. Get clockwork in there now. Get clockwork in. I don't know if Biden would be a fan of Clockwork Orange. I don't think he It doesn't he would. strike me. I think today, if he was watching it, he would fall asleep yeah. watching it. Yeah. I think he would. He would. Yeah. So that's a Clockwork Orange. It's a bit, That's an odd review, I feel, for I us. Know. Yeah, it's a lot. There's like bits to talk about. It's interesting. It's weird. Some bits don't make sense. It's violent for violent sake. He's cured. He's not cured. It's all a bit weird. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's for your vidi pleasure or whatever. <laughs> How would you Your say listening it? pleasure and the movie might be your vidiing pleasure. Yes. Thanks for listening to another episode, Two Drinks Cinema. Uh, what's next? We're getting closer to Christmas, but Ooh. not that close. Adam's Family. Adam's Family. Adam's Family is coming. Uh, the preview for that is this Friday. Thank you, Brett. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode of Two Drink Cinema. Make sure you've subscribed so you don't miss any future episodes. Please share with a friend and leave a rating and review. It goes a long way to help us reach a bigger audience. This show is produced by Odd Sox Entertainment. For more of Odd Sox Entertainment's work, including the show notes for this episode, follow the link in this episode description. Follow us on all your social platforms and join our Facebook group to connect with us. Thanks for listening. Happy watching and drink responsibly. Cheese.